Greetings, God's beloved. Thanks for tuning in to Messages of Hope, the sermon podcast from Living Hope Lutheran Church in downtown Las Vegas, Nevada. Our sermon today comes from 1 Samuel 16, and our preacher is Pastor Matt Metavellis. Thanks for listening. God bless you this day. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from his Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So when I was in college, one of the privileges that I had was I spent Tuesday nights in a little town called Adrian, Michigan. Uh, Michiganders may know where that is. I spent... Sweetie, I need to talk to everybody right now. Yes. So I spent uh, Tuesday evenings in this little town in a halfway house uh, where I got to engage with one of my particular passions that I don't have time for anymore, which is uh, literacy and helping adults learn to read. And one of the things that I got to do during that time was help people with writing resumes. I'll take the clicker. All right. So how many of you have ever had to write a resume? Okay, so everybody's done that. What do you need to put on a resume? Your name, contact information, experience, education, skills, right? I'm an overachiever. I don't know what to do. Sweetie, you can go color. Mom, you'll be here soon, okay? Okay, go with Miss Ivy. I'll be back with you in a bit. So on a resume, you have to put all kinds of things that describe you and describe what kind of worker that you will be. Now, if you were to write a resume for an unspecified job position with God, what kind of things would you put on it to impress God? Service, okay. Pray a lot. I pray a lot. I read some of the Bible. Some. Yeah, I, read, I know some of the Bible. What, what other things would you put on that resume? What's that? Bible study. Bible study, okay. So that's what... I listen to Christian radio. Try not to sin. Okay, yeah, I try... Not to sin. Yeah. Anything else? It's pretty funny. We're learning a lot about who we think God is from how we think we need to impress her. I love Jesus, right? What's that? I love that one. That's a good Lutheran answer. I've been baptized. You've already hired me. Anything else that you'd put on that resume? It's hard to think about, right? Because unlike somebody who you're about to interview for a job, and I've been on both sides of job interviews. I've, I've interviewed people. I've looked at resumes. Uh, and I've also uh, presented my resume and been hired. Uh, it would be very hard to do that with God because God would kind of already know. So uh, you might be tempted to put a resume together like uh, Eric here, uh, uh, where he puts on his work experience, uh, I am quite experienced in the McDonald's menu. For education, I don't know if you can see all this, uh, for education, 
finished high school by the skin of my teeth in 1999. Uh, and then for education, spent most time daydreaming out window, but if you hire me, things will be different, I swear. And then under, uh, under attributes, uh, possible ESP, knows when to hold, knows when to fold, emits pleasant aroma, horse-like laugh, uh, and extremely proficient in Mario Kart for Super Nintendo. So that's what I studied in seminary too, by the way. There was a lot of Mario Kart going on. Uh, I wasn't married when I went to seminary. so um, right. Our resume to God would probably look more like more something like this, because God sees all of us as we are and sees maybe, uh, like Eric, our wonderful sense of humor, cat-like reflexes, now you see me, meow, you don't. Um, God sees us um, as who we are, not who other people want us to be, not who maybe we want to be. And in the ancient world... Uh, job uh, job hunts for positions like king and places of power used to go kind of something like this. Here is an Assyrian king, actual footage of him trying to give his cat some medicine. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, right? This was uh, about the ideal of leadership in the ancient world in biblical times. And you can see it there. Somebody who is able to ride a horse. By the way, do you know anyone named Phil? That's a very ancient aristocratic name. It means lover of horses. So Philip, Phil Hippos, uh, someone who loves horses. So you see that, someone who rides horses, uh, someone who looks really good in uh, one of those uh, knit hipster caps. Uh, somebody who has a pretty uh, righteous, well-put-together beard. Uh, what else does this guy have? Uh, sweet gladiator shoes. Um, right, this is... Right, this was uh, pretty much uh, the example of a resume in the ancient world if you were looking for the position of king. Somebody that you would give service and loyalty to. This is somebody who will protect you. This is somebody who will win glory. This is somebody, especially for a God, who will extend the power and glory of God. Because when a king conquers territory, more people will worship the God that the king worships. And this is, by the way, true for Christianity. Missionaries throughout the history of the church, they knew in, uh, in Europe when Europe was kind of ruled by Gothic and Celtic tribes, all you had to do was get the chieftain to convert to Christianity, then everybody else would convert too. So you needed somebody who was powerful. The ancient Greeks actually had a term for this kind of military prowess, and it's this word, uh, kleos. Right? If you read Homer, all of the heroes are arguing about, it's almost kind of a measuring contest in that book sometimes, but they all argue about who has the most kaleos, who slew the most people in battle, who was able to take the most things. The entire Iliad is all about uh, 
Agamemnon taking from Achilles a woman that he won in combat. And Achilles is like, I can't fight for you anymore. You've stolen my kleos, right? They didn't have resumes back then. They had kleos. Who has the most kleos? Who projects the most glory? Who has the most power? Now, the God that we hear stories about the God that we've been learning about since, well, in this cycle of the Bible, since September, that God is a little bit of a show-off. That God really doesn't have, you know, he's like, man, I could raise up a guy like this, and, you know, he could conquer all sorts of territory, but then it's going to be the guy doing it, and it's not going to be me, right? So what God loves to do, and you read this in the Bible, if somebody has a hundred warriors, one of the Israelites has a hundred warriors and they're about to go to battle, God will say, "Mm, don't take a hundred, take 50 or take 20 (laughs) because God wants to show that the power does not belong to human beings, but that the power belongs to God. So here is the good news. God is not interested in how good your resume is. Because when you are writing a resume, whether it's the ancient version of giving uh, this poor lion um, a throat exam, or whether it is the modern version of talking about all of your wonderful qualities and all of the wonderful places and that you are a cum laude graduate and that you really seek to better yourself by availing yourself of educational opportunities. Man, I haven't looked at my resume in forever, whatever nonsense is on there. Um, Right? It's not about what the eyes see. God is interested in something else. God is interested in the heart. And God tells Samuel this when Samuel is out looking for a king. See, the first time around, they wanted to find a guy who resembled this as much as possible. But you know when they found Saul, who was the first king, you know what he was doing? He was cowering and he was hiding. And you'll see Saul do that if you read the rest of the story. We just did this in Bible study, but I I do commend the rest of the stories to you to see the difference between David and Saul because Saul looked really powerful on the outside, but he was weak and he was scared and he was not trusting on the inside. With David, it was a different story. Don't look at what the eyes see. And that's, by the way, the Hebrew for the appearance. Um, We put that in the passive voice. In the Hebrew, it's, don't judge with the eyes, Samuel. Do not trust what your eyes see. Look at the heart. Now, maybe it's because we've heard this story a lot, but we talk a lot in our culture about somebody having heart, right? You might be a basically a, a walk-on into the NFL, and you might get the first start because uh, the head running back is injured, and uh, you get your first start in the NFL on, on uh, Thursday night, and you run for over 130 yards, right? Hallelujah. Modernus Johnson. Uh, I'm not LeBron James, but I'll give you a shout-out as well. Right? We talk about heart as something that is this inner 
gift that somebody has, right? This inner drive. Have you ever heard this word before? you got to have heart, right? Anyone who's ever played football, right? Have you ever seen uh, the movie uh, Captain America Civil War? Remember this scene? Who's he saying that to? Quiz? He's saying it to Spider-Man, yeah. Right? You've got heart, kid. Where are you from? Queens. Queens. And then what does uh, Captain America say? Brooklyn. There we go. Right. So this is how we use this. In our culture, we assume heart is something that you can't see that's inside, that's this kind of drive, this, uh, this essence in you that, that keeps going, this power within you that doesn't stop at any kind of limitations, just like Spider-Man did in that great battle in Civil War, still, uh, I think, unequaled in the MCU right now. But we're not talking, sorry Captain America, we're not talking about heart in that way when we hear this story. For David, heart looks like something else. David's heart is not about what David gives. David's heart is about what he is able to receive. The difference between David and Saul and possibly David and his brothers is that David does not rely on his good looks, his strength, his ability with a spear or with a shield or with Mjolnir. David relies on the strength of his God. David trusts God because of what God has done for him. And we see it when David fights Goliath, or as he's preparing to go fight Goliath. This is what he says. Saul says, look, right? Saul's kind of working in the sports book, trying to handicap this fight that's going on. Sorry, people, I hope I keep walking out of range. Saul's trying to handicap this fight, and he goes, all right, This guy uh, has been a warrior from his youth. He's rather large. Uh, He's got all the best gear. Um, And you are a shepherd boy with rocks. All right? Um, You know, someone could probably make a lot of money uh, betting on you, David, but (laughs) it's probably not going to happen. The house says it's going to go to Goliath. But listen to what David says. He talks about his own activity as a shepherd, which is the Bible's view of king. It's not just the Bible's, but we'll leave it here. He talks about his own activity as a shepherd, which means that he puts his life on the line to defend his sheep. And he knows that this is the same kind of thing that God does. And I love what he says. You kind of have to... uh, Take some things out of it. But this is what he tells Saul. The Lord who saved me from the lion and from the bear will save me from this Philistine. Let me say it again. The Lord who saved me 
will save me. That is our faith, brothers and sisters. The Lord who acted first in our lives to save us, to call us here, to call us to to new life, right? The God who did that, the God who died on the cross, that God will save me from whatever I am facing, whether it is my next rent check, whether it is this grief that I'm going through, whether it is just trying to get through another difficult day in the midst of this pandemic, whatever I am facing, I know that I do not face it alone because the Lord who saved me will save me. me. Let's do it again. The Lord who saved me will will save me, right? And this is what's happened. David's heart has received something. David's heart has received God's resume, (laughs) right? God is the one who comes to David and says, I will be your God. I will be your king. And whatever my people need, I will give to you. David knows that. He has read God's resume. What is God's education? Well, he created the heavens and the earth. There is not anything that can be known in this universe that God does not know. What is God's experience? Well, I liberated people. I stood up to the most powerful king on the earth. I said, let my people go. And I got them back. And when that was all done, I didn't leave them alone. I stayed with them. I lived right in their midst, a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. And what are my skills? David, when I make a promise, I'm going to keep my promise no matter what it costs me. I am here for you. That is God's resume. That is what God gives to us week in, week out at church. That is what God delivers to us when we are in that baptismal water. I led my people through water. I'm leading you through this water so that I can lead you through life. And every time you open a Bible, that's what you're getting. You are getting God's resume. You are getting God's story. You are getting God's skills. You are getting God's relevant job experience to be your God. You are getting God's absolute affirmation that whatever you go through, God will go through it with you and God will see you out of it because the Lord who saved me will Wake up. The Lord who saved me will will save me. Yes, absolutely. And so... The heart that we're looking for is not a heart that looks with the eyes. The heart that we're looking for is one that hears with the ear. And God will not shut up. God will keep giving us these messages. And every time I see or hear a message like this getting to someone in any way, I am always inspired and overwhelmed. So I was watching TV uh, before church and I saw a story with the actor Jeff Daniels who went from feeling alone to getting a very powerful message. Mika Brzezinski took a trip to Daniels' hometown for us in 2006. Oh, I could spend a lot of money here. And met Jeff's dad. People will say we look alike, and I'll say that's too bad because I'm not too good looking. (laughs) Bob Daniels was funny, but to Jeff, he was also the moral inspiration for every great role he would ever play. 
Sadly, Dad didn't live to see this. His son Jeff as Atticus Finch in the Broadway adaptation of To Kill a Mockingbird. I knew Atticus before I played Atticus. I grew up with him. That knee-deep in decency and treating people with respect, all those basics, that was Dad. I miss him. What do you miss? I don't know if I can get through it. <clears throat> um, I wish he'd seen Atticus. It, it, was, it was weird because uh, I had run it for a year, and here comes Father's Day. So you do the Sunday matinee. And you're thinking maybe, you know, maybe he'll, he'll, he's watching and all that. I'm not religious, so I don't know. We'll see. I walk into the Sunday matinee on Father's Day, and I hit it, and I'm going, and everything works. You get to the closing argument, and you ride it like you're riding Secretariat. Let's begin by restoring this man to his family. Let's begin with justice. And you, you get to the end of the show. And you hope to see him at the back of the house, you know, some angelic, holy light. And you don't, because he's not there. Okay. But after that show, after all the curtain calls, he was handed a letter from a woman in the audience who'd known his dad. I always was asking your dad, you know, aren't you proud of him? Aren't you, you know, I finally got it. Aren't you proud? He goes, of course I'm proud of him. But I'm proud of him for the person he is. Not just for what he's done in his career. And I'm reading this. Maybe he does it. Now you got me going too. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I love my dad. I tell you. So wanting to see his father almost in the background after that show on Father's Day, he didn't. But he got a letter instead on that very same day that said, I'm proud of you for the person that you've become, not for anything that you have done in your career. And that's what we get every Sunday. We get a letter from God in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, who says, whatever you've done, for good or for bad, I'm proud of you. Not for that, but for the person that you have become. Some of you, he might say, for the person that you will become. God is not looking for people to project God's power. God is looking for places where God can deliver that resume, where he can deliver that letter that says, you are beloved, you are mine, you have every gift in the world that you need to do what I have called you to do.
It's the letter that God gave David as Samuel poured that oil on his head. And it's the letter that we get whenever faith sneaks in, grabs our hearts, and doesn't let them go. Because the Lord saved us. The Lord will will save save us. us. Amen.